So our pastor actually preached a message um, a couple weeks back on going to the next level. And he gave five crucial points on going to the next level. And we see these signs all over the church now. And, and these are the five points. There's more. That was point number one. There's more. There's more to our walk in Christianity. There's more available to us. We cannot get complacent and be okay with the amount of success that we think that we have attained. There is always more. There is always a greater glory. There is always a greater anointing. There is always more people who need to be saved. I can tell you why I say that because Vero Beach is not completely saved yet. There are still people who need the gospel of Jesus Christ, the unadulterated true gospel, the powerful gospel that demands change. There is more. We need to have humility and walk in a lifestyle of humility. We got to keep pride out of it because the reality is this. We only have what we have because of him. Our gifts, our talents, our prosperity, our finances, being able to speak, being able to minister, the anointing, all of that is only attained because of him and through him. So we have to stay humble. We have to stay teachable. A spirit of excellence. No, don't let me get on a tangent about excellence. I said this in the first service and I'll say it again right now. It breaks my heart that the church has to look to the world to see what the ceiling of excellence is. That's a shame. The world should be looking at the church to figure out what the ceiling of excellence is. Worldly singers should be going to worship leaders to get vocal training. Worldly pianists should be going to church pianists to learn how to play better. Architects should be coming to the church to figure out how it is that they build what they build and the way that they build it and as cheaply as they build it because it looks so excellent it should have cost you a million bucks but it only cost you a hundred thousand. We should have excellence in everything that we do. Excellence. We should carry ourselves with an excellent spirit. God will always favor those who operate with an excellent spirit. Daniel had an excellent spirit, and there was great favor upon Daniel. If you want great favor upon your life, do everything with excellence. At the end of the day, he's worthy of it. Amen? Okay, I'm not preaching about excellence this morning. Then there's no compromise. Oh, every one of these. I just, we could just let her rip tater chip. We did a whole youth conference, a whole youth camp, and the title of the youth camp was No Compromise 2021. Uh, we got to live a no compromise lifestyle. Pastor Mike, I don't know how I'm going to preach to the lost and those that are out there in the world. Listen, the loudest message you will ever preach is the way that you live your life. And if you live a no compromise lifestyle, that is, watch this, counterculture to the day that we live in today. Because that Bible is the most counterculture thing in the world at the moment. And I am proud to be counterculture. I'm proud to be kingdom cultured, kingdom minded, kingdom mindset. I'm proud to wear that. It's a badge of honor. Not something to hide behind in a closet and hope nobody finds out that I'm a Christian. Hope nobody finds out that I go to church. No, I live an uncompromising lifestyle. I stand for the word and I stand for the truth that's in the word and that's it. The devil is a liar. And then we have distractions. Distractions, distractions. Turn to your neighbor and tell them distractions. Ask them, are you distracted this morning? Are you distracted? 
Boy, I hope not. But if you are, don't worry. We're going to get through it this morning. The enemy is very cunning in what he does. He's very slick and he's very sly. And we live in a world where the enemy is preaching louder than he has ever preached before. If you don't believe me, ask your kids what gets talked about in school. The devil's preaching louder than he's ever preached before. And he's not getting any pushback. <laughs> Rather, he's getting praised. <laughs> Y'all got to help me this morning to stay calm because I'm like, I'm busting at the seams. I'm just ready to just, just, just come, just explode up here on the pulpit this morning. I'm so tired of the enemy. I'm so mad at the enemy coming against this young generation. And I know that there's people that don't believe me and you think that I'm just, I'm blowing things out of proportion or maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist, but I urge you, ask your kids what gets talked about at school. Me and my wife went to a, a middle school U group this week, a young ladies middle school U group, and I had to take a moment and pick my jaw up off the floor by what I was told in that U group. We started talking about being counterculture. And there was a young lady in the group that testified that a couple weeks ago she got bullied and girls trying to fight her because she's the only straight girl in her class and she's in seventh grade. The devil is a liar. Young kids that can't even figure out if they want SpaghettiOs or pizza for lunch and they're going to pick their own gender. Today they're a they and tomorrow they're an us and they were a we and to the next day they're going to be a Furby and a cat and it's going to be okay? The devil is a liar. And the enemy has somehow figured out a way to infiltrate and keep Christians silent. You need to be quiet because if you, if you start saying anything, you're intolerant and you're critical. You're the devil. No, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Let my voice, let my words ring loud and clear. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Read the word. It's real simple. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Come on, somebody. It's got to be a take back year. Pastor prophesied that the year of 2023 was a comeback year. Oh, my God. Let it be so in our schools, God. Let it be so with our young people, God. Let them come back to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And the enemy has figured out how to infiltrate. And one of the greatest strategies of the enemy is distractions. Understand, from the very beginning, the sole purpose that the enemy tries to do is to have separation, to get you to be separated from God, that your relationship would be damaged, that your relationship would be separated. It says the wages of sin is, so he's always trying to get us to be spiritually dead. Understand that if he cannot get you to fall into temptation and sin and completely renounce God, the next best option is to get you so distracted and so focused on the things that are going on around you that you completely lose sight of the bigger picture. 
Because an ineffective, unproductive, unfruitful Christian is a Christian that is a Christian that is complacent and has got okay with what little bit of success they have is a, is a Christian that is unfruitful. It's just a seat warmer. It's a Sunday morning Christian. I heard another minister call them jellyfish Christians. They got no backbone. They got no spine. And the enemy comes in like a flood and they just... And this started right from the beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden. God said, I give you dominion over every creeping thing, over the cattle, over the birds. Whatever you call them, Adam, that is what they will be. I give you dominion. I give you might. And he walked in the cool of the garden with Adam and Eve. He had relationship with them right from the beginning. And he said, you can eat of any tree in the garden except the tree of good and evil. If you eat of that one, you will surely die. And I ponder this morning, how many days, weeks, years, how long did they walk in the garden and pass by that tree, eating of every other tree in the garden, and not a second thought went through their mind of, ooh, that looks good to eat. How long did they wander in the garden and spend time in communion with God, the way that he designed us to be, which, by the way, is how we're supposed to be today. That plan that God had from the beginning to have ultimate communion and relationship and intimacy with you is still here today. And he's still crying as loud as ever saying, son and daughter, come back to me. I just want to spend time with you. I love you. I want to hear your voice in the morning. That hasn't changed. But I wonder how many times they passed that tree and it never occurred to them. See, that's how we are. Right when we get saved. Right is right and wrong is wrong and there's no questions about it, if, and, or buts. We got it. Clear. But then here comes the enemy. Ephesians 3 and 4. It says, Then the serpent said to the woman, which I don't know if you guys ever thought about that, but if a serpent comes to me and starts speaking, I mean, I know they had dominion and whatever they called them, but like, I don't know if they spoke to the animals. This serpent came up and just started speaking to her. Red flag number one. If you wake up tomorrow morning and a snake shows up beside your bed and says, woman, you better start saying devil. <laughs> Amen. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. There it is. Right out the gate. This is what the enemy does. He'll take the word of God and begin to twist it to fit his own narrative. He'll begin to twist it to fit, to, to make you feel good for the moment. He'll take the word of God and twist it to fit his agenda. You're not going to really die. That's not really what God meant. And then it goes on. And he says, for God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. So not only you're not going to die, you're actually going to get more wise. You're going to be smarter. You're going to be better than you ever were before. Man, this sounds like a get-rich-quick scheme like I have never seen before. You're about to get sucked in, and you will be like God. Oh, devil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, there it is. Her perception changed by a suggestion. 
the number one thing that we as Christians deal with, the number one demonic force that we as Christians fight on a day-to-day -day basis is the voice of suggestion. The enemy ultimately, again, remember guys, the deeper plan is to cause separation between you and God. He's trying to get you to be separated from God. He wants to break down your relationship with God. Why do you think tongues is the greatest attack on the church? Churches are totally okay with healing. Pastors across the board will sit down around a big round table and have a board meeting and they're okay. They will agree on that. They've got no problem with healing. They've got no problem with tithing. But as soon as you bring out the great big T word, now everybody wants to go to fight and battle it against arms. Why? That's the very gift that unlocks the, the supernatural in your life. That's the very gift that will take you ever further than you thought you could go. That's the very gift that will get your mind to be quiet long enough so that your soul, your spirit man can begin to grow and begin to develop and begin to speak. It's the very gift that will actually get you to access the realm of the spirit. It's the very gift that will begin to get you to be able to enter into the prophetic spirit. You want all the gifts and all these different things. The gateway to the gifts is tongues. But it's the number one attack thing. Guaranteed, you want to see somebody get up and leave the church, throw that word out. I'm shocked. I'm doing okay this morning. Ain't nobody left. <laughs> but we got to open our eyes, brothers and sisters. There's a bigger thing going on behind the scenes. Let me twist the word so that it makes me comfortable. Well, the tongues thing is uncomfortable. Yeah, but it's the thing that you need. Oh, no, 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 you know, Pastor, you don't understand. The fivefold ministry died in the days of old. Well, that's not what the book of Ephesians says because the book of Ephesians says that until the body of Christ comes into perfect unity, you will always have the fivefold ministry before you. Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors, they must all be flowing and operating and gifting in as one. But no, let me twist it because it's uncomfortable to me. I don't want, I don't want any prophets in my church. I don't want any apostles in my church. I got to twist the word and make it fit my narrative. Who do you think's behind that? And he does it, you know, that's a broad sense within the church. But he does this in our own lives. So, see, it's so easy to go after sin when you talk about distractions. Because it's a real easy target. But it goes so much deeper than that. You know, you could sit here and real easily pick on, you know, well, Pastor Mike, don't worry. Me and my homegirl are going to live together. We're not married yet, but don't worry. We're going to sleep in separate bedrooms. The devil is a liar. Come on, married people. You know better. <laughs> don't worry, Pastor Mike. You know, it's okay. How am I going to know that we're compatible with each other until we live with each other for a couple of years? And then all of a sudden, little Bombino comes down the road and you still ain't married. A am I being real this morning? He'll twist the narrative and make you feel like it's okay for the moment and then make the, the good, only show you the good and negate the bad. Only give you the positives. This is what he did with Eve. He appealed to her flesh. 
It says that she saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make one wise. Boy, that sounds like something else I've read. Maybe it's the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. It sounds very similar to that. He appeals to her flesh. The enemy is so cunning. He will always go after a situation or a circumstance within your life and use that as an opportunity to break you down and more importantly, break down your relationship with God. Somebody say it's a comeback time. Desirable to make one wise. We all want to be wise. But in that moment, Eve should have said, and listen, we're all guilty of this, so I'm not saying that we would have done it any different. I guarantee if every one of us was in the same position, we'd also fail. We all want to be wise, but Eve should have said, listen, devil, God said that that tree was going to cause me to die. The wages of sin or death, I ain't going to touch it. Amen? Oh, but Pastor Mike, there's nothing in the word that says I can't smoke or chew tobacco. I'm picking on myself this morning. I was that guy. I chewed two cans of Copenhagen a day and right in the beginning. And that was the one thing I wasn't going to give it up. I told Pastor Alex, there's nowhere in the Bible that says I can't enjoy my old chewing tobacco. <laughs> Listen, the wages of sin is death. He'll take, he'll take the word and he'll try to twist it to make you feel comfortable. You're right, maybe there isn't a scripture that says that I can't chew tobacco, but there is a scripture that says that I shouldn't be addicted to anything else but the Holy Ghost. And I promise you, when you try to quit and you start breaking down, you gotta have it, you gotta have it that moment. You can't tell me there isn't something behind that. You can't tell me that there isn't an, an addiction there. I'm talking about myself. Listen, I, I'm not picking on anybody here this morning. I'm just telling you my story, is that okay? But he'll twist it. He'll try to get you distracted. There's always a bigger plan, and that bigger plan is the separation from God. He'll appeal to your flesh. He'll only show you the good things. He'll only show you the good side of it. He'll never reveal the bad side of it. Oh, well, if I sell these pictures, I'm going to make a lot of money. If I do these things, you know, just, just one, more, one more drive. I'll make one more deal, and then that's it. It shows you the good side of it, but he doesn't show you the bad. He doesn't show you the harm. And these distractions block us from the presence of God. The word distract literally means to prevent someone from giving their full attention to something or someone. And this has happened right from the beginning. And it's time that we as the body of Christ begin to recognize the devil and his devices. And I really hope to shed some light on this this morning and encourage somebody. Let's take a look at what the word says about distractions. 1 Corinthians 7 and 35. It says, And this I say to you for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Again, I'm not trying to put a leash on you this morning. I I'm preaching to myself more than anyone else, and I'll share more about that in just a minute. This isn't about trying to contain anybody or make somebody do something. That's not what it's about, but it's about shedding light on the fact that the enemy will cause you to be distracted. Sin or not sin. Let, let's talk about the not sin side of distraction for a moment. We live inside the confines of time. God is outside of time. 
He understands time because he created time. But we live with inside the confines of time. That means from the time that you're born to the time that you die, there is an allotted amount of time that you have here on this earth. I looked up a statistic before I ministered this morning, and the statistic was how much time does the average American spend on some kind of media or digital device? And this statistic was from 2022. And it came back from Google, the all-knowing, all-being Google, who knows everything about everything, came back that the average American spends eight hours and five minutes a day on average on some kind of media profile device, digital device. How does anybody have a job? It's no wonder you're too tired to come to prayer in the morning because if you work a full-time job and then work another eight hours on that digital device to get the fix, you ain't got no time to sleep. Y'all got quiet on me. What happened? I'm not talking about you. I said the average American. You're not an average American. You're a supernatural American. Okay, I'm not picking on you. Hear my heart. I'll pick on the young people for a minute because they share all their sins with me. They say, Pastor Mike, I can't come to prayer. Six o'clock is too early in the morning. Pastor Mike, I can't do it. I just can't get up that early. Yeah, but you know what? You have no problem staying up till two o'clock in the morning, just binge watching that Netflix, doing TikTok and all the other things. It's no wonder you're too tired to wake up and do the right thing, which is come to prayer, to intercede, to hit your knees. Listen, the, the, the word says that the battle is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers and the principalities and the rulers of the darkness of this age. Why do you think he's trying to keep people from praying? Because if the people would begin to pray, all of a sudden you begin to push things back in the realm of the spirit. There's got to be a pushback. There's got to be a pushback. The devil needs to get pushed back. He needs to feel a little bit of pressure. He needs to feel a little bit of elbow grease from some young people, some old people, every kind of people getting up in the morning and coming and praying in the spirit, in the spirit. The word says to renew your mind in the it's where it happens. It's where you grow. It's where you develop. It's where the anointing begins to fall. It's where supernatural change begins to take place. It's in the spirit. We got to begin to pray. We got to be a people that is willing to pray and lay down every distraction. Watch this. Mark 4 and 16 says this. These likewise are the ones that are stoned on the stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves so endure only for a time and afterward when tribulation or persecution arises the words for the word's sake immediately they stumble verse 18 now these are the ones sown among the thorns they are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in they choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Let me say it a different way. It becomes useless. I know it's harsh words, but hear my heart this morning. I think plainly. I'm a simple man. I come from a simple hometown. If I was to go to my backyard and plant a pepper plant, and I put the seed in the ground and I grow this beautiful pepper plant. It comes up out of the ground, but that pepper plant never bears any fruit. That plant is useless to me. Oh God, help me preach this word this morning. I don't ever want to stand before God and him say, you know what? You made it. 
you have salvation. But that time that you had, the commodity that we are given, from the time we were born to the time that we died, that commodity that we have, that, that beautiful thing of time, you were so distracted that you were unfruitful. There's too many people that are unsaved. There are too many people that are lost. There are too many people that are bound up with addictions. Battle daily with stress and anxiety and they've got demons hanging all over them. And the body is supposed to be helping them. And that, that help comes from the fruit that's in your life. But it says it very plainly. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. The cares of the world. Listen, I am so, at the moment, just wound up on, on how concerned I am for the young people right now and the world that they live in. But here, let me give you the reality of how the enemy will use that as a distraction. Because he'll come to you with a good motive. And say, you know what? You, you should be concerned. You need to get all the knowledge in the world. So you turn to CNN and Fox News and you watch it, you binge watch it, you wake up in the morning. That's the first thing that enters your head is whatever they tell you on Fox News and CNN. And you're so wrapped up with what's going on because you, you're concerned, you're ca you care about the world. But all of a sudden you switch from before you used to wake up in the morning and seek the face of God to now. I'm not saying don't be ignorant. Please watch the news. Be aware of what the enemy is doing currently. But we can't spend eight hours watching CNN and Fox News thinking that we're going to make a change being mad and shaking our fist at a TV. The only way that we're going to see a change in our country, we watch 30 minutes of the news and we figure out, okay, yeah, we got to come against that devil of deceiving. We got to come against that, that devil of confusion. We got to come against that devil of deception. Oh, I see it. Okay, thank you, CNN, for giving me my assignment this morning. And then we begin to pray. Then we begin to hit our knees. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Because he'll take a good thing and cause it to distract you and keep you from your assignment. I'm talking to a body of believers, some warriors this morning. Get your assignment from CNN. <laughs> Get your assignment from Fox News and then strap them boots up and go to war. So distracted that we lose sight of the bigger picture. It says the deceitfulness of riches. I'm going to say it this morning. Please just, I say it because I love you enough. But your money isn't going to buy you happiness. Your money is not going to fix your problem. Your money is not going to deal with the stress. Your money is not going to get rid of the anxiety. Please don't misunderstand me. We need money to survive in the world that we do. Is that okay? That's just the world that we live in. But when you are so caught up with a spirit of mammon that you cannot focus on God anymore, that when you begin to bow your head to pray, all your prayers are, God, I need to be blessed. God, I need more money. God, expand my business. There's nothing wrong with those things. But when it becomes a, it's a problem. You look at Hollywood, you look at a lot of the things that are happening with these multi-billionaires and they get so wrapped up in being even more rich. The race to be the richest man in the world. They are distracted. And the desires for other things, the desires to just rest. <laughs> See, the enemy will take a thing that's in the word that's good rest 
is a good thing. But there's a big difference between rest and lazy. Please hear my heart this morning. I'm preaching to myself. I've been there. Lord, it's been such a hard week. Everybody's got so many problems. God, in counseling in the playground, and the kids just keep tearing everything up. And God, I just need a break. Every door in the church just keeps having problems. I mean, I just, none of the locks work. And God, I just need a break. Let me turn, let me turn. I don't even know what we watch anymore. But let me just turn something on, on the TV. And let me just veg out for a little bit. That's okay, veg out for a little bit. But don't let one hour turn into an eight-hour obesity thing where you just binge watch every single night. And now you've replaced what used to be time with God with stuff from the world. Oh, God, 1 John 2 and 15 says, Do not love the things of the world. For if you love the things of the world, the love of God is not in you. Oh, that hurts me. Because there's things in the world that we like. Let's be honest. Let's be real this morning. If sin wasn't tasty, we wouldn't do it. If the draw of the world wasn't appealing it wouldn't be so hard for us to lay it down. It's awesome to sit in a recliner and just watch something on the TV for a couple hours. It takes endurance to get up and pray. It takes endurance to say, you know what, I did have a hard day at work, but I'm going to get in the Bible. I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to get and, and receive from the Word of God. The very bread of life that's going to give me my strength. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That means that you can turn the TV off. Come on, somebody. That means that you can set the cell phone down for an hour. Turn it off. Off. Greatest distraction in the prayer room at all is that little ping. Because there's nobody in the world that's got enough self-control when they hear that ping to stop. Oh, oh, oh. oh, it's okay. I'll text them later. But you've already broke the flow. Come on. Come on. We got to get real. We got to get serious. We got to get laser focused. If we're really going to see the kingdom of God expand, shut it off. Get rid of the distractions. If the dog don't stop barking, kick him out the house for a minute. I got baby gates in my house. I send them to the kitchen. Y'all go on with yourself. I got one dog, a black lab. She's a really Holy Ghost filled dog. I know that for a reason. And if you know, you know, she'll come and lay down right next to me while I'm praying. And just, I mean, she's in the spirit with me. She did it this morning. I was up at four o'clock in the morning and I woke up singing a song. What is it? For joy in the house of the Lord, but I was singing the Spanish version. I'm not Spanish. Y'all think I'm kidding. If I'm lying, I'm dying. At four o'clock in the morning, my eyeballs went boom, and I said, Libre right out the gate. And my little black lab sitting beside the bed, she poked up. She said, all right, dad, it's time to go. I'm ready. We went on down in the prayer room, but with that being said, I got a little GSP, and she's the most precious animal that I've ever had in my entire life, but she hadn't figured the Holy Ghost stuff out yet, and when we start to pray, and she, think it's, she thinks it's playtime, 
And I'll be pacing in my living room, praying in the spirit. And about every third step, she's jumping up trying to get my hands because I'm doing this and I'm binding devils. And she thinks I'm waving an invisible toy. Listen, it's time I got to get rid of the... I'm not getting rid of it permanently. Listen, I love the dog, but I put the baby gate up for an hour so I can do my thing. Come on, somebody. What happens when we lose sight of God? Matthew 14, 28 through 33, it says, And this, and Peter answered him, and he said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come onto the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down off the boat, he walked onto the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw, everybody say saw. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, see, he stepped off the boat being laser focused. He knew exactly what his assignment was, and he had his eyes on the prize. He had his eyes on Jesus, but it didn't take long. Oh, man, I wish I could just Holy Ghost float me now. How much those people would get saved if I stepped off the stage and just. (laughs) I thought about it for a second. He had his eyes on the prize, and then all of a sudden, the word says that he saw. And he started looking to the left or to the right, and he began to recognize other things. And as soon as you take your eyes and you stop getting focused on God, you've already started to fall. Can I share with you this morning how I recognize in my own personal life when I start to become distracted. And I really hope this encourages somebody and please hear my heart. This is in no way, shape or form to condemn anybody. If there's conviction, thank you, Holy Ghost. I know that's what you do. But if it's not to condemn anybody. This is what happens in my life. I'm gonna pick on me for a minute. Is that okay? Again, if he cannot get you to fall into habitual sin and renounce God completely, the second best option is to make you a complacent Christian that just becomes a seat warmer. And he'll do that with distractions. And the way that looks is like this. It may not necessarily be sin, it may be a hobby. You know, Lord, I know you know it's hunting season. Told you I was gonna pick on myself. God, I know you know, listen, I I feed my family. I'm providing for my family. Your word says, Peter, rise, kill and eat. God, I'm just being. (laughs) and listen to me this morning some of the most amazing revelations and encounters that I've had with God have been on a bad day hunting when I'm out in the woods and it's just me myself and God and I'm speaking to him the whole time but that doesn't mean that my great Holy Ghost filled hobby can turn into a Lord don't you know It's tuna season. The tunas are here. It's time to get offshore. God, listen, I'll pray tomorrow. I got to get the boat ready. Y'all got quiet on me. What happened? Hunting was funny, but fishing isn't. Let's pick on football for a minute. Then it'll get real quiet. Listen, you can praise and shout, and I mean, you're just going to scream and yell and get wild at Tom Brady, but in church, dignified, you know amazes me you can t- you can quote every linebacker every jersey number you can associate their names to their numbers every play that they've played you know every playbook you're better than half of the coaches but you can't quote the scriptures come on you're real holy ghost filled from the time the super bowl ends to the time football season starts yeah oh, come on we all get distracted let's get real with ourselves this morning 
Come on, there's stuff that steps in the way. Our job, our family sometimes. And it's not bad things. Hear my heart, body, believers, brethren. It's not always bad things. But let's call it what it is. So here's the first way I know how to identify that I've got a distraction in my life. The first way is when I take what I used to do, for instance, if I used to pray and I would wake up every morning or maybe it's every night, you have a different schedule with God, whatever it may be. But if I take what used to be my intimacy and my secret place time with God and I replace it with something else, there is a very real possibility that you have become Here's the second way, and you got to hear my heart because we all do this. I, I, this happened to me last week in the prayer meeting. I'm going to bear all my sins before you right now. I'm as real as they get. I'm not going to try to be something that I'm not. I'm just going to tell you how it is, and I hope that you gain something and you grow from it as well because we all struggle with this stuff. The second way I know where my mind has begun to get distracted is as soon as you close your eyes and you begin to pray, which is a very holy thing. It's a very thing that should get you closer to God. It's the very thing that will grow you and develop you and your mind begins to drift. Oh, Lord God, I thank you. God, I just love you so much. Just fill me now. And you begin to pray in the Spirit. And as you're praying in the Spirit, you're thinking of, uh, you know, Tom Brady and the linebacker from the 49ers and just the, who's on my fantasy football team. And, you know, after church, I need to go work on a boat. And tuna season's right around the corner. And, you know, I got three more days left of hunting season. And all these thoughts are running through your mind. There's a good chance that you are. And I say this because we all struggle with that. I, I can tell you now, I very seriously doubt there's a single person in this church building this morning that when they pray, they have never dealt with the spirit of distraction upon their lives. Why would the enemy try to distract you in that time? Because he doesn't want you to become a dangerous Christian. Because a Christian that is laser focused is a Christian that is dangerous armed and dangerous and he comes and he tries to get you to heed to those distractions and therein lies the key because when you close your eyes and you begin to pray we all have a decision to make the word says that I'll take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ it becomes a danger and there is a distraction in your life when you take those thoughts and run with them but the devil gets real scared when he starts to send those thoughts to you and you go devil you are a liar I take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ I bind the spirit of distraction right now and I'm going to press on and I'm going to wage a good warfare and I'm going to do what your word says and I'm going to see a victory it's at that point that you become dangerous and I don't know about you but I want to be highly dangerous I want to be the Chris Kyle Y'all know who Chris Kyle is? American Sniper? It was a distraction, don't worry. Y'all more holy than me. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. How do we respond? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Proverbs 4 and 25 says, let your eyes look straight ahead. 
and your eyelids look right before you. This is how we should respond. Distractions. We got to get rid of them. We got to get them out of our life. We've got to go to the next level. We live in a dying world. And the commodity of time is ticking every day. I got one more story and then we'll close. I didn't share this in first service. We had another situation this last week and I have a young man that I've spent a lot of time with and walked a road with. And there was a shooting in Fort Pierce. I don't know if you guys heard about it or saw it on the news. It's tragic. And there was an individual that passed away and this young man was actually very close to this individual. And he called me or he texted me one morning and he said, Pastor Mike, will you please pray for me? I'm struggling. I'm struggling right now. He said, of course, young man, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. And I'm praying for you and just let me know if there's anything I can do. And he said, Pastor Mike, I'm just praying. I'm praying so hard right now. I'm praying like I've never prayed before. And I said, for what, young man? There's nothing we can do now. I'm so sorry, but they've already passed. He said, I'm praying that I'll see them again because I'm not sure. I said, what do you mean? Were they a believer? And all he texted back was, it's complicated. The commodity of time. And that hourglass is running. We live in a day and an age where we cannot be distracted by the things of the world any longer. We have got to get real with God and go for God with everything inside of me. And I pray that this, that young man gets some healing in this this morning. Listen, would you bow your heads with me this morning? If there's anybody in here this place and you're saying, Pastor Mike, this word has spoke directly to my heart. I have allowed myself to get distracted to such an extent that I don't even know if I'm in right standing with God. I don't want to mess around with this anymore. I want to make a real change. I want to get right with God. This is my comeback year. I want you to come on down to the front. I want to pray with you this morning. If you want to give your life to Christ this morning, this is where it starts. This is where that change begins is right here in this moment. And I want to open up the altar for a minute and give you an opportunity to respond. Don't be nervous. Don't sit in your chair. If that's you, come to the front. You say, this is my moment. I'm going to get real with God. I'm going to make a big change. I'm not messing around with this stuff anymore. I'm going to cut these distractions out of my life. If I could get some leaders to come up behind them and just encourage them. We're going to pray here in just a minute. say enough is enough I'm not messing around with this anymore would you all stand to your feet and pray with me this morning could I get another leader up here please we're going to pray this prayer together as one as one big family but all I ask is that for you in the front this morning make this a declaration to God that this is it you're not going back anymore you're going to cut those distractions out of your life and you're going to move forward for God amen so pray with me this morning say father I know and I recognize that I've made mistakes. I've allowed distractions to cause me to lose my focus and my eyes are not on you. Father, I repent. Jesus, I receive you this morning as the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, 
Fill me now. Father, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now somebody give God a great praise. Give him a shout of praise. It's a new day. It's a new day. If you don't mind, Pastor John's over there on the other side of the sanctuary. If you could follow him out. We just want to take a moment and pray with you and connect with you. God bless. Let me pray for you guys. Father, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing in this place. Lord, I thank you that we're going to cut the distractions out. I thank you, Father, that there is a generation that is being raised up even right now, even right now, even in this church, even in this very moment. Here right now, God, there is a people that is getting back to the basics, God, that are declaring that this is their comeback year. Father, I pray that we would wear that scripture that says that the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. God, I pray that we would wear that scripture as a badge of honor. And God, that we would go to war for our family and for our region and for the lost and those that need salvation in this area. God, I thank you in Jesus' name. I pray that you would go with each and every person, that you would bless them, that the joy of the Lord would be their portion, and that you would bring us back this week for prayer and next week for the Holy Spirit Fire Conference. God, even now, we pray for that Holy Spirit Fire Conference. Lord, we, we pray in Jesus' name. Open up the heavens over this church next weekend in the name of Jesus. Let there be an anointing. Let your gifts flow. Let there be prophecy, God. Let there be healings, God. Let there be miracles, God. Let those come in that are bound up, leave set free in Jesus' name. And we will always stand and give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. And everybody agreed and said, amen and amen. God bless you.